Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. Thank you for joining the Michigan Minds Podcast to discuss health disparities within the Black community. Could you please introduce yourself and your role at the University of Michigan? Hi, Tatiana. I'm really happy to be here. My name is Erica Marsh. I'm the John Behrman Collegiate Professor of Reproductive Medicine in the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology. I also serve as the Division Chief for Reproductive Endocrinology and Infertility, and I serve as the Director of Community Engagement for MISHAR, our CTSA here at Michigan Medicine, and founder and director of Onward, which is the Women's Health and Reproductive Disparities Collaborative. So the first question I would like to ask you, why did the Precision Health at the University of Michigan decide to convene this health disparities task force? My understanding is that they, they looked at the incredible success they had, and, and it is truly an incredible success. They have over 80,000 participants enrolled in the Precision Health Initiative, but realized that they one of the limitations was the limited diversity in the pool that they currently have. And the thinking was that the, they would reach out to faculty and researchers who were engaged in research and care in diverse communities to see if there were things that they could do to change the trajectory of the pool somewhat. And to kind of change this trajectory, what are the goals of this task force and what is it hoping to accomplish? Well, the I think the main thing is to, as a start, they want to have a diversity that's reflective of the state of Michigan. But I think the ultimate goal is to have a cohort that has enough diversity to answer really, you know, any question that we want to ask from a precision medicine or precision health perspective on the U.S. population. Michigan Medicine is one of the most outstanding academic medical centers in the country. We are high volume, high quality medical center, and we've had a lot of success in our precision health initiative thus far in terms of numbers. And I think, you know, moving us in that program to the next level includes not just looking at the raw numbers themselves, but looking at the what's behind the numbers and who is included in the numbers. And as a medical professional yourself, what are faculty researchers and medical professionals doing to ensure that we are assisting and alleviating these disparities within healthcare? I think there's a tremendous amount going on that starts at the one-on-one interaction level and go, moves up to the level of the system. You know, one of the things that we've learned in medicine and certainly in particularly in my field, which is obstetrics and gynecology, which is dealing with its own set of very significant disparities. When we look at maternal issues like maternal mortality, for example, what we're consistently hearing from patients of color, specifically black women who are the most disproportionately community that's most disproportionately dying in childbirth in the United States is this sense that patients aren't being listened to, that they're not being heard. 
And so really incorporating models of active and intentional listening for patients to understand their concerns, their their fears, their hopes for a given experience. I think as providers and clinicians, we hope and believe that we do this all the time with all of our patients. There's clearly something broken in the system when we look at issues around maternal mortality in the African-American community. And there's some fixes that are going to be quite complicated that may involve translational research or research that may take years to find answers, but low-hanging fruit, things we can do today are, you know, we can listen a little better, a little harder, a little more intentionally to women as they speak to us, as they share with us, and make sure we're hearing them and that make sure we're validating what they're sharing with us. And I think that's a place that as any provider can start today now. And why are the numbers higher within the Black community for young mothers than white mothers or other Mm -hmm. races? You know, I, again, complex question. It's a question that has been looked at and controlled for. And I would say racism is something that we have to, to call ourselves out on. I think when you look at the numbers and you control for education level and access, and you're still seeing the same levels of morbidity and mortality, it begs a question of what role does racism fundamentally play? You know, when it's happening to wealthy Black moms and poor Black moms, when it's happening to Black moms that have had prenatal care since day one, and Black moms who may not have had great access to prenatal care, you can't blame access and you can't blame education anymore. I think racism manifests itself in many ways. I think a lot of it is behavioral in how Black women are treated when they engage with the health system, with the healthcare system. And I think some of it manifests itself in our own health, the principle of weathering, if you will, the principle of growing up Black in a society that regularly tells you that your life matters less, that I think that manifests itself pathophysiologically in terms of, you know, does it result in higher blood pressure? Does it result in a, and it manifests itself in higher risk of diabetes stroke? That I can't speak to specifically, but I think there is a very real physiologic consequence of dealing with racism and the trauma of racism day in and day out as a Black person in the United States. So I would like to shift the focus toward another topic in regards to Black disparities in COVID-19. Do you believe there is a lack of trust within the Black community towards medical professionals? And if so, is that the reason why a lot of people are choosing not to take the vaccine? It's really interesting. I, I think before the vaccine actually came out, in particular last fall, October, November, even December, there's a huge amount of hesitancy being seen across communities, but certainly in disproportionately within the Black community and to some extent in the Hispanic community as well, the Latinx community. Now that the vaccine has become available, we're actually seeing communities and individuals actually more open to it than we would have expected based on what the data were reflecting last fall, which is really exciting. I think the challenge now is access. We need to strike while the iron is hot, while we have people who are saying, you know what, I am willing to get vaccinated. Where do I go get vaccinated? And not having an answer for them is a huge problem. 
And, and it, you know, it's not a problem just in Ann Arbor or just in Michigan. It's a problem that the United States is facing. It's a problem. It's a global problem. So the reality is that when you look at the proportions of folks that were hit hardest with deaths, with cases, with hospitalizations, you have to realize that it makes sense to, to start and prioritize vaccination availability in Black and Brown communities. With the disproportionate number of cases seen in Black and Brown communities, and then, and again, specifically the disproportionate number of deaths seen in, in Black communities in particular, you have to prioritize those communities and understand that those communities are dealing with the exponential effects of health disparities. Those effects are not additive. They are, they, you know, they compound each other. And when you're dealing with uh, diabetes and hypertension and renal disease and cardiac disease and maybe are an older adult and, you know, and then COVID on top of that, we, we see what happens. And we've lost a generation we're losing a generation of people to this virus, specifically our older adults. And we have to target older adults. We have to target black and brown communities that are hardest hit. And we have to make sure vaccines are available to them now. Well, it's very reassuring to know that people are actually not as hesitant on taking the vaccine, despite what you hear through word of mouth. And to know that people are making an informed effort to push the vaccine and to tell people to get vaccinated is very nice to hear. Is there anything that I didn't touch on regarding health disparities that you would like to speak more on? No, I think you raised a really good point with hesitancy and I, I don't think hesitancy has gone away. I think we still have to address it. There's still a lot of fear and mistrust in the country in general. And certainly we see a little more of that in pockets in Black communities and the Hispanic community. But I think we are moving the needle. You know, people are making a decision to protect themselves, to protect their families, to protect their communities. And, you know, stepping out on faith in some cases to say, okay, I want to get the vaccine. And I just think it's really important that we're, we're there at the ready to say, Thank you for making that choice. We have the vaccine for you. Come and get it. We're ready to give it to you. So the medical school and Michigan Medicine have a number of initiatives and studies that are going on right now looking at those very issues, issues around hesitancy, issues around uptake, and making sure that vaccine access is equitable and that people are getting the, the information they need so that they can make informed autonomous decisions. One of the things that we're doing through MISHAR, the CTSA at University of Michigan, is sponsoring monthly town halls where we have a medical expert and a community expert jointly participating in the event, taking questions from all over the state to provide up-to-date expert perspectives and information on COVID, the vaccine, questions, concerns, and again, really making sure the right information is getting to community members. We're also 
as part of that town hall, we're partnering with Alfreda Rooks at Michigan Medicine, who's an outstanding community advocate, as well as the SEAL team, the Community Engaged Alliance funded research team here that I co-lead with Barbara Israel at the School of Public Health. So that's just a few initiatives, you know, a few teams that are, are working hard and, and trying to be a part of the solution. But there are pockets of folks all over campus and particularly at Michigan Medicine that are working very hard to make sure that there is equitable access to the vaccine, that the correct information is getting out to the community, that information is getting updated in a timely fashion, and that people have what they need to make informed choices about their health and the health of their family and loved ones. So we're going to keep fighting a good fight, you know, look forward to a day where we're getting boosters for COVID, but COVID itself is a thing of the past. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. It was very enlightening to hear your medical professional opinion about things. I really appreciate you taking the time to meet with me today. No problem. Anytime, anytime. Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.